Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Oh my God, someone should make um, a movie about her cloning her dogs. Oh my God. Do you know that she clones her dogs? Yeah. Okay, it's great. Um, that I would know be a great really film. Let's one. write that film. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming to Waterstones Tottenham Court Road this afternoon for a very special live recording of the Feminist Don't Wear Pink podcast. Um, we are sold out this evening, so congratulations on getting a ticket. Well done. Well, without further ado, uh, it's my pleasure to introduce Scarlett Curtis. Thank you very much. Hi everyone, thank you so much for being here. This is so much fun. Um, my name is Scarlett Curtis and we are here today to discuss our book, Feminists Don't Wear Pink and Other Lies. Um, for anyone that doesn't know and just comes to events that they know nothing about, um, it's an anthology of essays by 52 women on what feminism means to them. Um, I wanted to put this book together because I didn't really know I was a feminist until I was like 15 and I wanted to create a book that was a collection of stories by incredible women on their own personal journey into the feminist movement. This book isn't a guide on how to be a feminist, but it is a book of very diverse and different stories on why you might want to be a feminist uh, and how you go about putting that into action. All the royalties from the book go to an incredible organisation called Girl Up, uh, and I'm really proud that four of the Girl Up leaders have also written essays in the book. My granny told me the other day that one of them was her favourite writer in the whole book, and she was like, who is this woman? Is she famous? And I was like, she's a 15-year-old girl from Liberia, um, but she should be. Um, they work with the UN Foundation. They work across 163 countries with programmes that focus on education, health, safety, leadership. They also have adv advocacy groups. If you don't know them already, you should Google them and follow them. They're great. Um, and I feel very lucky to have one of our book's contributors here with me today. Um, Beanie Feldstein is the greatest human on the planet. Uh, that's confirmed. Um, she's also an amazing actress who you might know from films like Lady Bird or Neighbours 2 or the year she spent alongside Bette Midler in Hello Dolly on Broadway, which was amazing. Um, she's also the star of the upcoming film How to Build a Girl based on Catelyn Moran's incredible novel. How to build a girl. Hi, Beanie. Hi, Scarly. <laughs> Sorry, that was a really long intro. That's very kind. Um, so, Beanie. Yes. Are you a feminist? Oh, most definitely. Yeah, I'm so hoping that one day someone says no. No. <laughs> uh, it would be probably a more interesting interview. Um, when did you realize you were a feminist? I was thinking a lot about that because I had a feeling you would ask. Um, well, you know, I grew up in a house with a lot of boys. I have two older brothers and two nephews who I'm very, very close to feel like younger brothers slash nephews. And just a, like all my brother's friends were around. It's just mm -hmm. like a lot of boys. But then there was my mom and she's this 
ridiculously incredible as you know creative yeah she's a force to be reckoned with i always say if you know who fran drescher is she's like if you it's like 80 percent there (laughs) um she's just this force she's ridiculously talented and bright and generous and clever and so i think there was always this strong female presence in my life but the word feminism never came up i don't think it was until college really Mm. that i fully began to understand what it meant and identify that's so interesting so did your mum never say the word feminist to you no i don't neither did mine yeah and my mum's i mean she's like not as also no she's ridiculously incredible in a different way um but yeah they're both these very strong women but they kind of didn't refer to themselves as that no um why did you choose to write what you wrote for the book well, Scarlett asked me to contribute to the book and I was so honored and excited because I just couldn't wait to read it, let alone like we've been idea. hanging out in the day and then I was like, I'm gonna send you an email tonight. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Oh <laughs> I sent her this very formal email being like, Hi Beanie, would you like to contribute to the book? <laughs> As if she wasn't like cuddling on my couch ten minutes before I got the email. Um and I just was I was so honored because I this would be something that I would immediately want to buy and read myself. So the idea of having my writing in it was so exciting but also really scary because I just was like well what do I write and I remember one of the things you had sort of given us as like a brainstorm was what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given and um, I thought just very instinctually to my high school drama teacher who's this incredible woman named Michelle Spears and an advice she'd given my improv troupe on our last day of high school so that's what my essay in the book is about and how I kind of took her advice which was sort of specific to performing and and improv and how I sort of extrapolated it and sort of made it my feminist motto if you will it's an amazing piece um I also so something I'm really interested in is that something we both have in common is we're quite geeky um and we love learning and as well as just being feminists in kind of everyday life I think we both studied elements of it when we were at university I did a degree in kind of women's social movements and being in sociology and w- that is something we've talked about a lot because it's, it's not something a lot a lot of my friends are very experienced in activism and but there's this kind of feminist academia world that's very different what did you learn from feminism at university that you might not have learned in real life Feminism. yeah university is not real life but you know what I mean no <laughs> definitely I think I think it's kind of it's something that you and I always bond over is our intense love of academia, but then also our our sort of that comes up against the idea that we would never want to pursue it. Yeah. Like it's not something that we would ever do as our career, but and also that it's not that accessible. I think is yes, something we've talked which about. is huge. Yeah, and I think like I think about the hours that I would spend poring over social theory and a lot of it feminist social theory, and then how do we get from there in the library by yourself to real life and that's something that you really wanted to do with the book and you did so brilliantly (laughs) and I think that's really a big question for women that are lucky enough to have access to education like that and a higher education like that they're often really inspired but then they don't know what to do from Mm -hmm. there and I I don't have the answer to the question but I think something we both think about 
a lot and I remember reading all this theory and then talking to my best friend Gwen who was a sociology major as well and a feminist gender and minor or, or specialty or whatever and she was always like I am all of these things and I think about all these things all the time but I also am just a woman in the world who has yeah. a boyfriend and thinks about marrying my boyfriend and and that's a part of you know what I mean yeah. like how do you reckon with those two things that you're just like a girl who buys a latte and also a girl yeah. who reads who's like this. capitalism is fundamentally destroying yeah. women <laughs> exactly but i'll have a latte please exactly um and i think that's why i'm so moved by by your book and by just looking at all of you here today because it's like what do we do with that yeah. what do we do with those two things and i think the thing we always come back to is just like continuing to talk about it and talk about it with women that you really admire mm. and that you maybe not maybe you don't know that much about that's the biggest thing for me it's like different voices and different people that you wouldn't necessarily encounter it's like seeking out yeah those voices and making sure you understand them as well as you understand your own and your friend's experience completely and I think we can sometimes feel a bit weird about doing that and that's something that being at university gives you the joy to do which is like you have to seek those people out because you're writing an essay and you need diverse opinions or whatever and I think that's sometimes less encouraged in everyday life where it's like you stick to your circle and it wouldn't even occur to you to step out of it sometimes definitely um before you wrote your essay for the book and one of the reasons I so wanted to get you in the book was you wrote an incredible essay for Refining 29 that I was lucky enough to read before it was published little brag um <laughs> called Stop Complimenting Me can you explain a bit about what that article was about yes definitely um so I was uh lucky enough to be in Hello Dolly, which was the best experience of my life. And I, I did the show for a year on Broadway. And so I wasn't able to go home at all during that year until my one week off. You get, everyone gets a week off. And so I went back to Los Angeles from, from, and I, it's as if I was like out of a movie, I like landed and every single person in my life was like, you look amazing. You're so much thinner. What have you been doing? You're so gorgeous. And I was like, what <laughs> are, you, who are you talking to a I've always been this great and b uh like is there something like I just I didn't see it mm. I didn't know what they were talking about I had no sense of of why I was more beautiful than I was before I started doing the show like people were just so they're like you look so thin you're doing great and I was like I just I was so baffled and then I, I came back from that week and I was really kind of sad that whole week I was home because I all of a sudden felt very self-conscious in a way that I never had when no one said anything to me about my body. So I really sat with it and out popped this essay that it just like came out of me and then I sent it to beautiful people I love and respect for, you know, notes and then we ended up publishing it and it was just like, it was this thing where it was like, why do we think that being thin is better and why do we think it's something that everyone is striving to do because it's just not and I have a great relationship with my body and I've always been for you know in my since like 16 17 I've always been really confident mm -hmm. and then when I was thinner I was less confident because all of a sudden everyone was making me feel like I was on display um just because I got thinner on accident because I was like doing a show with doing a 25 pound dress <laughs> yeah you know you do a, Tap a dance show. for a living yeah when you do a show with a lot of dance and you're in a 25 pound dress you just like lose weight I it wasn't anything I was trying to do and so 
it was really meaningful for me to write the piece and I got a lot of um, women and men you know tweeting back at me like I've had so many people say you look so amazing and I'm like undergoing treatment for something and the medicine is making me lose weight and I'm like what are you talking about like I feel so ill and it's just it's just such a ridiculous societal norm i think it's not even just weight it's just this idea and i think it does apply to women more which is that if you look good that's a good thing and that's half of your problems are solved or like that's something you want to hear i used to get it all the time when i was ill and my illness was entirely on the inside i had chronic back pain and anxiety and depression and people would come up to me and be like how are you and I'd be like well really really bad like I haven't been out of pain for two weeks and I'm feeling really really anxious depressed and they go but you look great you look so great and I'd be like it it, it was so it's so weird that people say that as if they're telling you you've won an award or you've like it's so odd also it's just it's no one's permission to reference your body or Mm. talk about your body unless you bring it up first that's sort of my motto Mm. it's like you can compliment someone's soul and their attitude towards mm. the world and their career and their actions and their words, but just, and their skirt, but don't say you look great in that yeah. skirt because you're thin. You can say, that's a beautiful and skirt, I also you know? Compliment like, people on things they've chosen. So, yeah. like, if someone's done their hair really great, or you can tell they've put loads of effort into their makeup, but not just things that are like part of their body. Yeah. I don't know. And I think so it was hard. like all my, all the, you know, my, work in college and sociology it was so clear to me that it's just it's just a subliminal thing that Mm. we all think that thinner is better because that's what we've been told Mm. through society all the time um through almost every institution Mm. and so I was just I wasn't mad at anyone I was just baffled yeah (laughs) mad at the patriarchy yeah um I think there can be a lot I've noticed there can be a lot of kind of confusion and contention around body positivity in the feminist community because I think it's just it feels like it's still not a topic we've quite figured out and a lot of people think it's kind of been instagram appropriated or any of that and to me you always feel like such a body positive like you know hero of mine like you just that essay of yours is so clear on why and makes that so clear sense to me um do you think of yourself as part of the body positive movement or was that something you ever kind of explored when you were younger so interesting because you saying that to me, I was like, am I? I don't know. And I think it's sort of that maybe it's the next step of like, I feel like within recent years and so much of what's discussed in the book mm. is like, there were so many years where women would be like, am I a feminist? I don't know yeah. if I'm a feminist. And now it's starting to be much more clear of like, yes, because yeah. this is what it is. And this is what I believe. And I am a part of this movement. But maybe body positivity is sort of the next yeah. um, activism sort of collective that people will be more coming to more clarity about Mm. because of course I am I think everyone's beautiful and their bodies are beautiful and you are in the body that you're supposed to have so therefore yes but I don't think it would would have been like something I would have associated with until you it's not in your Instagram bio (laughs) it's not my Instagram bio um yeah yeah. and I think as well I think with a real love and understanding of feminism comes a kind of inherent body positivity because it is just so obvious that it's not a part of a woman's worth what she looks like of course yeah um so i want to talk about how to build a girl for anyone who hasn't read how to build a girl um it's a bit erotic (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> and this isn't giving any spoilers away or anything you've told me because you've been very quiet about the secret details of the film. Um, but I'm guessing you had to masturbate quite a lot and have sex quite a lot on screen <laughs> when you were filming the film. Um, were you ready for that? Well, that's, there's, <laughs> there's a lot in there, Scar. Um, so yeah, I... Um, I played Johanna Morgan in the upcoming film of How to Build a Girl, which is Catelyn Moran's book. Um, and I think there were so many elements of the film that I was so nervous for. Most of them just being that I'm so in awe of Catelyn and I worship her. And I just, I was so taken with this girl that she had built, for lack of a better word, um, created that. I just wanted to do her justice. Were you a fan of Catelyn before the project came out? You were the first person I, do you remember, in my apartment? I was like, do you know who Catelyn Moran is? And you're like, of course, I grew up in London. I I grew up in LA and I I know she's great, but I never read any of her stuff. So it wasn't until I was auditioning for the role that I read all all of her books in like one gulp. Um, And uh, so I wasn't, it wasn't familiar with her before. I'd heard her name, but I never read her her material. but then once I, I got the role and I read the script, I was just like, what do I do? I'm so nervous, kind of on every level. And the sexuality of the film was definitely mm. part of that. But I think it was more just doing her justice in sort of every way. Mm. But I think the sexuality of the character, which is very clear from the novel, so yeah, again, we're, we're not, giving, anything not giving anything away if you read the novel, um, is it's a part of who she is and it's yeah. such a big part of being a teenage girl Mm. especially being a teenage girl that doesn't have that much opportunity and so she just has herself (laughs) (laughs) and um she she makes do um um, and you know I think of course I was nervous it's a very Mm. nerve-wracking thing but I there was never a part of me that was like I wish it wasn't in the film because I so do yeah and I'm so proud um of the way that it's been brought life and I guess that's this hadn't even occurred to me before but I guess that's another thing about a book and a film and a whole project that's been created by women is any of the sex that would be in that is inherently empowering and makes sense for the character I think it's only an issue when you get these kind of films made completely by men and then they're like let's throw in a scene where the woman's naked and she's like making pasta because that's what women do when they're naked (laughs) obviously um when I auditioned for the film before I even got the role I was um our producers are all women Mm -hmm. our writer obviously is Catelyn and then our director is a woman and I was at this table after my audition with these five women and I was just looking around the table and I called my mom after the dinner and I was like Mom, even if I don't get this role, just sitting at a table and knowing these are the people that are in charge of this film, I was so moved because it's just so rare that it's entirely women in a, you know, making a movie that is about a 16-year-old girl writing and wanking. (laughs) Um, So I was, I was so just moved. And the fact that I got to be uh, a part of it is like, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I don't want to cry. No, but it's so it's, exciting. It's very yeah. exciting. Yeah. Um, she has really different hair in it as well. Um, do you see a difference? You spent a long time here, obviously, filming. Do you see a difference in British feminism and American feminism? Oh, that's a fascinating question. I think... Well, what's so fascinating about uh, British people and American people is so often it's described that uh, Americans are much more out like out there Mm. and and the Brits are much more sort of polite and I think 
in some ways that's true but i think most of the british people i've met and i've had like the gift of knowing is they're just so refreshingly honest yeah and that Whereas Americans can like really smile through it and sort of tell you they love everything. And you're like, no, you don't. <laughs> like, I was at a, a I meeting. I think we go deeper quicker. Yeah, like you just yeah. get to the point. Yeah. And, you know, America is a very big country as a single, but we're, we're like huge and yeah. very vastly different in some ways. So I think depending on where you are in America, mm. it can change. But I grew up in L.A. Don't hold it against me. <laughs> and um, sometimes it can just be so fake where I feel like. Uh, London is so real like mm. everyone I mean is just so honest and to the point and so I think in some ways that's such a gift for feminism because it doesn't apologize yeah. and not that I think American feminists apologize but I think like just looking at you and your friends in pink protests and all of the things that you've done it's just it's to the point it's attacking one specific thing very clearly instead of just saying I am a feminist here yeah. before it's like we're pinpointing this we're ending period of poverty yeah. that's what we're doing this year and he that. did it, yeah it's hard to be a people pleaser and a feminist yeah in some ways and I think not that all Americans are but I think in some ways we can just sort of say we are mm. and that's it and I think what I love about the, the feminists I've encountered in England mostly through you is that they're all very proactive mm. in their feminism Thank you. I love that. Um, it's also very different issues. How are you feeling at the moment with American politics and <laughs> everything that's going on? <laughs> oh God. Um, I was I was away by myself um, on location filming recently, and I decided to watch Reversing Row on Netflix. You need it. to watch it if you haven't seen it. Um, it's so informative and so devastating it's about the history of roe versus wade mm. and the history of abortion law in our country in my country and it it was devastating mm. in so many ways um but again i think like after all i just said about the difference between british and american feminism we're ready to fight yeah. <laughs> in america right now at all, you know my, all my friends men and women are just so we're so ridiculously fed up with yeah. what's going on in our country and seeing a hundred women elected to Congress last week was yeah. just like one of the most beautiful. And I think politically, things. I think just from I lived in New York for four years, and that's how we met. But I think I've seen a lot more links between feminism and politics in America than you do here. Like because it's so urgent and it's so needed, 100%. and people are kind of really figuring out that it's not just about having a lunch to chat to your friends. It's about kind of really getting out there and running for office. And we could almost do with more of that link between politics and feminism here yeah. i think i think also it, what i've noticed is that a lot of people who maybe wouldn't have been politically yeah. active have been extremely politically active mm. myself included i i was lucky enough to not have to have a stance on politics yeah. really growing up and obviously i was democrat but i didn't really understand what that meant and i wasn't very active in that and i try to be much more active now yeah. and i think that's true of almost everybody i know and even it's like kind of the breaking point you can't just be like um i don't know how i feel yeah, and yeah. even um like big uh what's the word i'm looking for like big media like yeah. I, I was lucky enough to be a part of the girls like you maroon five music video and like the woman who was elected for congress uh was featured in the video yeah. and now she's one of our congress members and so i think that's sort of 
an area that yeah. wouldn't have existed before and now it's not just actors and musicians that are included in those videos which is great but also congresswomen <laughs> um, and senator you know and activists that, that leads on really nicely because i i think one difference i've seen is i do think more men in america are engaged with feminism and kind of politics around women as you're saying because you kind of have to be you're seeing a lot of these men speak up um michael moore just has just basically been saying this whole election like just vote for women like vote for women they're they're amazing they need to do things and i think we see a bit less of that here and something we've been asked every time we've done an event um is how do we get men into feminism and how do we get boys to yeah. kind of understand it from a young age how do you think you've got brothers and nephews and what how do you kind of see that becoming an actual reality yeah it's such a good question you know i'm i was so taken with jamila jamil's essay in the in the book because hers is all about what we say to young boys and also what's fascinating about her essay is that she references that it's actually hurting the boys as well because they are not given the chance to be emotionally free and their gender is made normative as well yeah and And there is many downfalls for them the kind of pressure on so many young men is insane yeah and i think you know my nephews are lucky enough to go to such a like liberal progressive school and still at their school people are you know the kids are bullied for not being this way enough and not being that way Mm. enough based off of their gender and my nephew was really upset recently because he's not that into sports and some of the boys were like you don't like sports what's wrong with you and he's like i just don't I just care that much. Yeah. My heart was like breaking, but it's like, you know, empowering women to be whatever version of a woman they want to be mm. is also just going to help the boys. And it, it it only helps them. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, come on over. Everything's great. Um, but I think, I think I was, you know, I was thinking about this actually. I was, when I, we were coming to do this, I was like thinking about being young in my house. I forget how old I was. And someone i forget who it was my family was like impressed with my dad for doing the dishes yeah and i remember being young and being like why and (laughs) um the praise my dad asked for when he cooks one meal is (laughs) unbelievable yeah and and i remember i forget who some of my family was like like that's that's house stuff and i was like yeah well dad lives in our house (laughs) and they're like but he works all day. I'm like, well, mom works all day. I just couldn't yeah. grasp it. And so it was like praising a man for doing something. We don't, yeah. it just was so confusing to me. I was like eight or nine. I can't remember. And imagine a world in which that wasn't a thing. And yeah. I think now it's so much less of a thing, but it still is a thing. And I think every time my nephews go to say something like that, because it's just, it's, in them it's yeah. just in them because of our society and our media and their shows that they're watching and we can't control what the other kids on the playground say i just am like guys yeah. back it up <laughs> you're a feminist little boy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> try again like you're talking just to. try again josh yeah. <laughs> and i think something else is like i have this a lot well when you know someone i might not know as well like a man makes a point your your instincts will be to get quite angry And then you kind of speak back really irrationally. And when one of my brothers does, we have this really great conversation and I explain to them why that's wrong and we talk about it and they come around. And I think I keep trying to have that same compassion that I have with them, with everyone, because that's the only way you change anything. You don't change anything by like screaming at someone. They just go like, well, I'm never talking to a feminist again. I think a lot of times (laughs) too, like a lot of people that we're lucky enough to be around have very good intentions. And Mm. sometimes they just don't realize 
that they're saying the wrong thing. Yeah. My mom is so cute. She has a little, like, on her phone, she has a note that's, like, all of the politically correct words that I've taught her. So and it's so sweet. And she's like, I teach everyone I come across. She's like, all my friends is so much better because of me. And I'm like, that's great. Um, but she, you know, she's a woman. Yeah. She believes that she's a feminist she believes that women have the right mm. to everything they want to do in their bodies and everything yeah. and so does everyone else and sometimes she just didn't know that a new word exists you know yeah. like she literally just doesn't know oh your just brain has been conditioned in such a way yeah and yeah. things move really quickly and i think the more you can educate others and be willing to educate you know being mm. open to education yourself it's just so crucial for anyone of any gender of any age completely um our final question is what is one lie that you've been told about what it means to be a woman well i think growing up i felt that they were the side characters in every story interesting that was huge yeah. i think like i was obsessed with funny girl from the age of two yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my third birthday was funny girl themed and That's i think so weird that doesn't make any it sense. makes no sense <laughs> um uh, yeah, just, you know, wanted to be Barbara Streisand at two and a half. But I think it was because it was the only musical that I watched that was about a yeah. woman from top to bottom. Nikki Arnstein is the side character. You know, like, it is about Fanny Bryce. Yeah. Whereas every other role that I played growing up, I was like the grandma or the little girl or the side friend or, you know, the second plot. Yeah. And I think... Or in a wig playing Winston yeah. Churchill like me. <laughs> Can, I need that video. Yeah. Um, but I remember in college, someone's, you know, I was in the psychology class and they were like, women are asked all the time, girls mm. are asked all the time to identify with male stories all the time yeah. or else we wouldn't watch or read anything, at least in our generation. Yeah. And men are never asked no. to do the same. And so you just... Catcher in the Rye was my favorite book growing up because yeah. I was like, it's me. And can you imagine a boy reading How to Build a Girl and being like, it's me. <laughs> but it's, happened. you know, it's so true. And I think you just, in, you know, subliminally take on that you are second. Yeah. You're second. And, and that's obviously a big old lie. A big lie. <laughs> I big little with, lies. I even felt that with Ladybird, it was like one of the first coming of age films I'd seen about girls, and it was beautiful and amazing because of that. Um, thank you all for the questions, for coming. and thank, yeah, thanks for being here. It just feels like you've just been watching us chat. Right, thanks, guys. Bye. Guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If you've enjoyed it, or even if you didn't, we'd love to hear from you. So make sure you subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Feminists Don't Wear Pink and Other Lies, published by Penguin Random House, is available to buy now via the link in the description of this episode. For more information and to join our gang, please follow us on Instagram at, at feminists. Thank you so much to Audio Boom for helping us get it out there and to the wonderful pink feminists who've joined us as guests. Um, as, as a feminist, a lot of people, they can say, I am a feminist, but how do you feel like we can make, take the next step so we can actually do something about being a feminist? That's such a good question. How old are you? I'm 12. Oh my God. Sobbing. Fully sobbing now. Thank you. You've already done it. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.